Welcome to the Dr. Funk Podcast. On this episode, we talk about all the latest Prince-related news and what his band members have been up to this past week. And now, he'll come spend the night inside your sugar walls, Dr. Funkenberry. Mm, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Dr. Funk Podcast. Thank you guys so much for downloading us from iTunes, Stitcher, wherever. Thank you for telling your friends about us. Hope everyone is having a great week. We've had a lot going on. We've got a new president, but it's not that type of show. So get into it. What's going on, Chris? What's up, man? How you doing? All right. We got a lot of news to cover, so we're going to just dive right in. Uh, we are going to get to the estate momentarily. The Van Jones, Londell McMillan situation. But let's try to start off with a little bit of good news. So I think we'd all can use some of that, right? Absolutely. Some positivity for 2017, right? Right. So to kick off our positivity of 2017, <laughs> uh, Prince was the best selling albums artist of 2016. Prince, whoop, whoop. beat Adele, beat Drake. Um, this is his entire catalog, not Adele's record, not Drake's record. Now, what's interesting about this, you know, Drake, uh, he had the biggest title of 2016 with views when combining all metrics and Adele's 25 was the best selling album when streaming was left out. But neither of those artists ended up being the best selling albums artists of the year, which is an honor that went to our prince. Um, this is like his entire catalog, everything else. Prince sold over 2.2 million albums last year and was also the only person to manage to sell at least 1 million digital units and 1 million physical units, which shows that his fan base is diverse enough to want to consume his music in a number of different ways. So obviously this has to do with what happened in April, which everyone always has to bring up in every single article that they print. Just to remind us of something that we already know. Right. Now, what's interesting about all of this with the 2.2 million physical copies sold and the 1.1 downloads streaming, it just shows, uh, I hope that the estate, the family, is getting a really good deal. Uh, because remember, there's talks of Grammy night that Prince's music is going to be available on all music streaming services, including iTunes and Spotify, Extra. And it just shows that that deal is something that needs to be respected and hopefully it gets the money they deserve. Again, remember, he had this exclusive deal with Tidal. Now, um, that's probably not going to be who they're going to be using. It might be all over all platforms, but it should bring a lot of money. They're supposed to have a big announcement during the Grammys. Uh, the Grammys are saying that they're going to do a Prince tribute. No one has been announced. We do know that Bruno Mars is performing on the show. So you would think that they would contact Bruno to maybe do the Prince tribute and get others involved, kind of like his Super Bowl. Yeah, that so, would be really cool. Hopefully he does something because I know we'd love to hear that. And he'd do it right. Right. 
I just we'll, we'll have to wait and see with that, but it just shows the power of his streaming and his catalog, whether it's the hits, whether it's the more obscure material. Uh, the American public and worldwide public seems to, they just can't get enough of it. Something that we've uh, known about for a long time. And this is just counting released music. Now, remember that there are others that you know are going to be in control of his released material and unreleased material coming up when it comes to the publishing you know which the estate has but universal is running um but it should be quite interesting everything coming up you know so i know some people aren't even going to be watching the grammys but they probably should just for the reasons that we specified, which I believe is going to be going to be airing February 12th. Now let's go into something that kind of covers everything, but in a little bit more of a frustrating way. So, you know, a few weeks ago we were trying to do a couple episodes a week to keep you up to date. What was going on with the court uh, and the estate with Londell McMillan and Van Jones. That's right. Wanting to administrators of the estate. And we kind of had a crazy idea that we felt that Londell and Van Jones should walk into court together and be united because there were certain family members that wanted Van Jones to represent them. There were certain family members that wanted Londell McMillan to represent them. A united front would be better for everything. They did not go that route. And now neither of them is the administrator. Uh, Comerica Bank, which the family did agree on over Bremer Trust to start running things at the end of this month of January 2017. Um, that has been put in place. So it's going to be up to the bank to decide stuff. The judge is the one that feels that the administrators are no longer needed. It's not necessary. So all these decisions when it comes to streaming, comes to everything else, Comerica Bank is going to be acting as the corporate permanent administrator. No more Londell. No more Van Jones. It was mostly Londell and Charles Koppelman uh, when Bremer Trust was put in charge of everything. Van Jones was acting as legal counsel for Omar Baker and Tyka Nelson. And they they trusted him on it. The bank, Reamer Trust, put Londell and Koppelman in charge. It wasn't the family's decision on everything. They did make certain deals happen, like the Universal Music Publishing Group, handling the publishing rights for the estate, not owning but running it. And then they had the, um, the deal for merchandise, were bravado with Universal. So they struck two really huge deals and other things. Now, another thing that kind of went down during all this and caused Taika to kind of not want Londell in the mix of things is that um, remember the tribute concert in October, Chris? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was a big, exactly, huge yeah, fundraiser. Big fundraiser. Right. The family wants to know uh, 
where the money is at. They're saying that the tribute concert was mismanaged. Now, we kind of knew that the Sting had trouble. It was rescheduled two or three times. Uh, they tried to schedule it around Paisley Park opening uh, as a museum. Ugh, just hate saying that word. Um, and it was moved from what was going to be the football stadium of U.S. Bank to the Target Center. Now, two heirs um, that expected to receive a significant share of Prince's massive estate are seeking at least $7 million more from a botched tribute in October. So are they saying they never got the money and that this was around $7 million was raised and they never got a cent of it? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, and, it, and it ended up being at the Excel Center, too. So... It was even smaller, right? Yeah, smaller than Target even. So I don't know who was heading that up. Who who should be the person that we ask where the seven million is? Apparently they think Londell should be the one to ask. Mm. Now, this just gets crazy messy, crazy frustrating. Just for whoever was involved, for the fans that went there to somewhere get closure, this kind of hurts everything because they thought the money was going to the estate and other things that this was going to be helping. Right. Paisley, everything else. And now with the estate being anywhere between 150 and $300 million, that $7 million puts a small dent into things, but still it's needed. Um, and then you also have uh, Laura Halferty, a firm provided legal, a firm that provided legal services and advice for Bremer Trust. She is asking for improvement of payment for nearly $1.6 million in fees for work done from October to December, along with five other law firms also asking fee payments totaling close to $400,000. Oh, wow. So it's right there, $2 million. Uh, you know, that's time, it's labor. Her firm's work, including negotiating, negotiating entertainment deals. So they also helped get the universal deal going along with Londell. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah, I know that last week or two weeks ago in court, it was brought up by Tyke and Omar that they don't, that Londell was taking about 10% of the deals for the universal music publishing group and, uh, for the merchandising, which is usually what a lawyer takes in these certain deals. Um, probably Van Jones probably would have done it without charging, but uh, that's not how everyone usually works. You know, they want to get paid for making the deal happen. Even though a situation like this where the estate is bleeding money and needs money, so it isn't overturned to the government, it just like for this tribute concert to just be messed up the way it was, you know, and the family just feels that way. They feel that the tribute concert was messed up and McMillan took estate assets before and after the concert. Um, and Bremer is claiming that they aren't even, they weren't even a party to any of the concert contracts. So they're saying they didn't know what's going on with, with money that the family of saying Londell took before and after they don't know. We don't know. The family is saying that, he took money hmm. and uh, they're saying that 
Londell and Koppelman failed to secure promised talent, which is true. Um, remember, they're supposed to have John Mayer and Christina Aguilera and Anita Baker. Yeah, they all pulled out. Sh- they pulled out at the last minute, right? Or are they just no shows? Right, and the document that was filed to the court says they have no clear way of knowing who profited from ticket sales, parking, television rights, radio streaming rights, merchandising, concessions of the concert. See, when they mentioned TV rights, they were trying to get this on TV. And remember, I had a, a company that was willing to do it for free to stream it worldwide. Right, yeah. And this, this also messed up because the Grammys wanted to do a Prince special tribute, a two-hour special for CBS TV in December uh, of 2016. But when they heard this concert was going on and they are trying to get TV rights, they had to abandon the idea. You know, the Grammy president went to the, the BET Awards to take notes of who was performing and how things went. He, They were really invested in doing a two-hour special on CBS for Prince, and they couldn't do it. So now... You know, we're going to get a Grammy tribute within the Grammys, most likely. And maybe down the road, we'll get a two-hour show. But they wanted to do it. They wanted to have these names that were listed, you know, of a John Mayer and others. And that kind of, like, obliterated uh, CBS's idea, which would have raised money for the estate, venue, TV rights, et cetera, being able to sell it. Um, that didn't happen. So they had abandoned it, and then no TV deal or streaming deal was ever reached for the tribute concert in October anyway. And I guess that's a good thing now because we wouldn't have known where the money would be going. This is just so frustrating on so many levels for the family, for the estate, for the fans that are constantly going to Paisley Park and going to to these events they have on Friday and Saturday nights, going to the tours, traveling for it in the dead of winter. Yep. Because they don't know where the money is really going right now, you know. And another thing that we can kind of touch base on, although I thought it was really lame for them to do it, is that there was an article by John Bream that hit the Star Tribune, but it actually hit... um, the Associated Press everywhere. That was basically comparing Paisley Park to Graceland. Oh, and how, how can you do well, that? I don't know. Look, I like I like Ellis's 50s stuff. Um, I have a box set of that. I don't really care about anything else. Yeah, and how long has Graceland been around? And it's been how many months for Paisley Park? You can't compare them. Forever. Graceland opened up five years after Elvis passed. So was that 1981? 81, 82. Right. So it's not going to be on the same level yet. There's going to be different things. Uh, It's just frustrating because Paisley Park is a work in progress. And, you know, due to Prince's privacy and how he was, there's less things that can be shown and done. They're right. trying to make it interactive as possible and make it more about the music. With Graceland, I think you're getting more of the man and other things. They are tr- trying to add that to Paisley now with showing off the cars and a few other things. Um, 
we had a friend of ours, a friend of the show's friend personally named Rico, who went to the tour and um, had this to say. Um, he liked the tour guide they had this time. It was him and his boys. Um, he met the tour guide before. She's good. Seems like they're getting more informed as they gather more information from us, the hardcore fans that take the tour. She mentions the contributions from Sam Jennings and Steve Park. Oh, very the cool. VIP tour was around um, almost two hours as advertised. And he really enjoyed it. And it really was VIP. Just his kids and him. The Joe Mission tours had a lot of people, though. Now, I do think that Steve Park and Sam Jennings, it's not a coincidence that they're being brought up more during the tours. I do think that Steve and Sam, rightfully so, have been talking with Paisley. Now, I'm not going to compare Paisley and Graceland. I will eventually go back to Paisley. We'll see if it's sooner than I thought. I'm willing to help, help out with April's events in any ways that I can. Um, Graceland, uh, don't, it's just, it's not my cup of tea, you know, and speaking of stuff along with Paisley Park and other things, you know, I plan on going, I think you plan on going as well, right, Chris, sometime this year or whatnot? Yeah, I have a trip planned, uh, in about a month that I'm going to go before April. I want to go before all the crowds are there. I don't know. There's just something where you kind of like, I, I have a feeling kind of Rico, like Rico did. He wanted something private and personal without a bunch of friends and people around. So you could just kind of do it on your own. That's what I'm going to be doing soon. Makes sense. And then yeah. you'll go back again. Yep. Yeah. I'll go back with all my friends and stuff later. Friends and stuff. Later. Right. And you want to do this because you want to help the estate. You want to help Paisley park stay functional and keep it to what he had planned after last April, you know, which is the right thing to do. And Absolutely. these events that they're having on the weekends, you know, make sure it looks like they have been having it every weekend and most likely will continue. It's getting announced more and more last minute, like how he was doing. It's still 60 bucks. That's how they're going to keep it for the foreseeable future, it looks like. So as long as it's making money, that's all I kind of care about right now. Uh, he didn't say that the merchandise changed too much since the last time he was there, I believe, in November. And keep in mind, Rico is from California. So he's already had two trips there in the dead of winter. And I'm sure there's other fans that are doing the same thing. So the cold weather is not putting people away as much as people would think. I just want to be supported and just other things going on. That's all I can kind of refer to. Graceland, I think, is doing just fine. <laughs> Paisley Park, not so much with everything going on. And, you know, there's people constantly, you know, that just feel that they knew Prince, like he had out of the will. He didn't. I mean, there was never, ever, ever one on file regarding the Purple Rain era and any other era. Because you have to understand, if there was one ever at one time, even if it was 20, 30 years ago, they would go back to that. And no lawyer has it on file. Now, say he put something, like we kind of said, like put a note in the piano or whatnot. That's a little bit harder to prove. But nothing has ever been discussed with the lawyer because after his passing, they would have to come up front with all of that. And Prince was extremely controlling of his music. 
of his image, of his likeness. When it came to his death, he never wanted to talk about it. There was answers of, you know, I don't plan on dying, or when you start talking about it, that's when things start happening. You know, even when um, he kind of said to Jim Walsh, who has a, a book out right now called The Gold Experience, which basically, you know, he did the liner notes for the Gold Experience album itself and did a bunch of stuff for Pioneer Press during the 90s and went to several concerts at Paisley Park. He talked about in the book that, you know, this is 1996. If anything happens to me, it wasn't an accident. That had more to do with him fighting with the label and other things going on at that time. You know, so that's where, I wouldn't say paranoia, but that's where his thoughts came about like that. And think about that. He didn't even make a will then. Yeah. And he was married yeah. to Maite. Nothing. I know that it was talked about again in 2006 that he just didn't want to deal with it. And even though he knew that the government would get get a piece of that pie, he just didn't want to deal with it. He did not want to deal with it. I'm hearing this from so many people, even as much as uh, was brought up in 2014 and 15. And he didn't want to talk about it then either. So controlling of every aspect of his career when he was here. When he wasn't going to be here, he didn't want to deal with it. And this is why we have this mess. This is why we're frustrated. This is why we hurt. Now, there's so many unreleased jams in the vault. Uh, we know Video it, huh? Right. So, Brian Gumbel today, it was in the For the Win article, section of USA Today, Brian Gummel owns three print songs no one has ever heard before. Now, when he moved from NBC to the to CBS after a few years of being quote unquote retired, you know, he did appear on Gumbel's last appearance on the Today Show, which is interesting because the month before he appeared on the show and um, you know, Bryant and him were somewhat playful and then it got serious to where Brian asked him, like, I heard you guys had a kid, you and my take, because my take came out and joined him. And he's like, yeah, I heard that you had a family. You have a family now. Congratulations. I hear that there's been some trouble with that. You care to speak on it. And then Prince was saying in his ever princely way that something did happen and just firmly left it in the belief that, you know, God has a purpose. There's a reason why it happened. And then just Bryant, to kind of make that clear, just said it sounds like something bad happened and you're in the belief, you know, that he's in a better place and just left it at that. It's obvious that this was maybe discussed beforehand. It kind of rubbed Oprah the wrong way because he did, Prince did her show a month before when these baby rumors we're going on in and, and Prince didn't want to talk about it then. And, uh, you know, Prince was supposed to do Oprah in 2000 for Raven two, uh, shortly after it came out in November, 1999 and Prince canceled on her then, which upset Oprah as well. So when it came to promote 21 nights in 2007 and the perfume, Oprah was like, I want you on my show, but just not now. 
And what's interesting is, is the perfume company that sued Prince for the $4.4 million, which is mentioned in the court documents uh, that you can print up that we put out a few weeks ago, uh, they specifically asked for Prince to be on Oprah. They didn't ask for Ellen. They didn't ask for The Tonight Show. They asked for Oprah. And with Oprah saying no, it kind of tied Prince's hands. So when the perfume company says that Prince did not fulfill obligations of promotion, they asked for something specifically. And the person who was in charge of the show, Oprah herself, did not want him on the show at the time. Right. So there you go. If they would, I just, I just kind of felt that the lawsuit was kind of unfair. But the problem was, is Patrick Cousins was his lawyer at the time. Patrick uh, wasn't getting paid. We heard this before. So the day of the court date, Patrick didn't tell Prince that he wasn't going to show for the court date. Patrick didn't show for the court date. The judge ruled in favor of the perfume company by default for Prince or Patrick not being there. So that kind of sucks. Now back to the Brian Gummel situation. So, you know, during that interview to kind of close it so it wasn't on such a somber note, you know, he he asked Prince, Brian asked Prince if he wore, you know, your semi regular. I see you at NBA games. And Prince is like, semi regular? What? Huh. And uh, he asked him if he had any pleated khakis. <laughs> Pleated khakis, right? Oh yeah, you're right. And Prince said no. Right. And then, right. um, do you own like a blazer? Oh, Prince was kind of wearing like a sweater thing, but he was like, no. And then Prince said, "You wear shoes like mine," and they were like flats. Prince asked to see me. He goes, "Hell no!" And the entire uh, crew that was in the Today Show watching the interview, which would happen, you know, you had um, Katie Couric at the time. I'm forgetting the weatherman. Al Roker right now was there. And then the other person was there. They all busted out laughing. Cue and fast forward a few weeks later, Prince appears on today's show dressed like Bryant in a khaki suit, a tie, glasses, does raspberry beret, uh, kind of changing the lyrics. You know, if the competition ever gets a little, <laughs> gets a little tacky, keep on rocking your khakis. <laughs> um, and then they went to MSNBC and then they showed him doing talking loud and saying nothing and talking a little bit more and said it was Maite's idea to kind of dress up like Bryant. Now, fast forward a year or two later, Bryant is getting his own news show, primetime for CBS. And Prince decided to give Bryant a theme song for the show. That's pretty cool. Uh, Bryant thought it was a little too, I wouldn't use the word urban. It was just a little bit too much for a 10 o'clock show on CBS. Now keep in mind, CBS at that time was the number three network, didn't have a lot going on. They weren't where they are now, where they had the Big Bang Theory and all these other hits. Um, but it was Bryant's decision that the songs that Prince was giving him weren't how do I put it? They weren't for for a news segment show. They weren't for a how good it fit. It was it wasn't it didn't fit right. Yeah. So gave songs, he turned down each one and Prince is kinda like, well forget you then. Cause interesting enough, with Tamron Hall, 
when she had her own show on MSNBC, he gave her a Madhouse song that she used for her show. Oh. You know? Yeah. So all these things going on, and Bryant says, nope, I'm good. Won't have the songs. So I think those are the songs that he's referring to. But as some people thought when Tamron Hall announced her show, that, oh, it was a new song. It was actually an old song. So what Bryant has may or may not be something we haven't heard before. It may have been used for other things. I mean, Bryant was a fan, but as, uh, as Cedric the Entertainer said, you know, Brian Gumbel, he probably, Raspberry Beret was probably one of his favorite Prince songs. And Cedric the Entertainer used to have a little bit in his show saying that Prince is a bad man, but he always has those songs that make you check your blackness, like <laughs> Raspberry Beret. <laughs> the song that makes you check your blackness then you start doing that little dance from the video and you're like wait a second what i'm just he was kind of like raspberry sounds a little country and then when prince was touring in hit and run 2001 he actually bring it up during his show and he's like said a little right this is a little bit country <laughs> <laughs> but we don't know what those songs bryant has i wouldn't be expecting him to be pulling it out i don't think it's on uh on Bryant's phone. I don't think it's on a CD <laughs> that he has regularly around. It's probably somewhere stashed away, you know, but a lot of ex-girlfriends of Prince could probably be saying the same thing. Oh, I have videos. I have, you know, songs that never got released. Oh, you know, you know, speaking of that, I think, uh, last week, didn't Carmen Electra show a clip of, uh, Tell me how you want to be done video from that. That's never been released. Right. And we still stuff. It's just like with, with Manuela that brought up in the divorce documents that unfortunately got unsealed. It was brought up that there was videos for another girl, which was what the song title was before he gave it to Bria and made it another boy. Right. And then there was Elixir. I think they got Gamilla and Elixir mixed up. Elixir, there was a video made. Now, both of these um, videos, the reason that Manuela wanted them back is those were anniversary presents. Now, remember when you're a Jehovah Witness, which Manuela was at the time, that you cannot celebrate birthdays. They're very big on wedding anniversaries, though. So those were important to her, and she couldn't get them back. Um, but there's so much stuff out there as we saw with last week, last weekend, the one you want to see video coming out, like someone that's in the video told me that they don't even remember recording that video that day. Right. I'm like, Oh, videos done that day. You know, the twins did guitar with him and you guys were around for that. And one more and he's like, man, like you weren't even there and you know, I'm like, well, I kept everything on file in my, my brain. They can't, they just. Just interesting remembering stuff. So, but there's so much more that we don't know about. And I really hope that we get a video collection like of everything. You know, it'd just be something I'd want made to Blu ray. It'd be amazing. You know, who knows? Like maybe there's a video for. <laughs> I'm only I'm only saying this so we can segue into our next topic. Maybe there's a video for Arms of Orion. 
or maybe there's a video for uh, a different alternate video for Eternity by Sheena Easton, which Prince wrote about his favorite perfume, Eternity for Women. Now, uh, Sheena Easton is performing in Vegas nowadays. Yep. Um, you know, it's like, and she talks about how she didn't really like you got the look or for the eyes only. And then, you know, now it's like her baby and she likes performing them now. Um, this is what she said about Prince, you know, what it was like working so closely with one of the most influential artists of all time. And she said, I met him when we were both very young still. When you're around him on a personal basis and get to see the prince that's not the persona, the concert prince or stage prince or interview prince, he's just so relaxed. And he's always busting you, making fun of you, making you laugh. It was also fascinating to see the genius of how his mind worked and understand why he was such a big deal from the artist's point of view, why he was so respected by his peers. He would put out a song and everybody would go, nah, what? What did he just do? He would mix it in a way that nothing on the radio sounded like it. The chord changes and harmonies would just pop your eyes open. And the way he worked was so fluid. I worked with many great and talented producers who make hit after hit, and they all know exactly what they're going to do when they go into the studio, all mapped out. Prince would go in, and if an accident happened, he might say, no, 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 I like it like that. Do what you did. Something would spark an idea, and he would go off in another direction. When we did You Got the Look, it was a finished track. It was done. And he asked if I wanted to come down and throw some backup vocals with everybody else. Then we started playing with me, doing the answering thing, and it developed into a duet. I never worked with anybody before or since that did that. What kept him fresh and kept other artists admiring him so much was that willingness to just go out there, his openness. That's pretty impressive. That's really cool of her to say all that. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Like, look, remember, Sheena Easton, Morning Train, For Your Eyes Only. She's like, meh. Then after <laughs> Prince got a hold of her, Sugar Walls, and like she took his advice, like think about it. Sugar Walls and Strut were filmed on the same day, and you can totally tell. So Prince's whole filming of multiple music videos in one day that he started doing was rubbing off on other artists. Now... Songs like Sugar Walls, and you see her and You Got the Look, and then her own eternity, and then What Comes Naturally. Jesus, she she looks amazing in that video. Yes. Like, that's all I can say. Just, I don't know. Your body's hecka slamming. Uh, yeah. That's all I can say about that. Now... Another group that was around during these 80s songs of Strut and Sugar Walls and was making their own uh, and breaking barriers for women musicians was Heart. And Heart still consistently touring uh, about two years or so almost. They had Liv Warfield open up for them at the Hollywood Bowl. And then it turned into just something pretty amazing to where now Nancy Wilson of Heart is working with Liv Warfield and they made a new supergroup. And they're calling themselves Road Case Royale. And it features Wilson on guitar, 
Liv on vocals, Ryan Waters uh, on lead guitar, and other heart members, Chris Joyner on keyboard, Dan Rothschild on bass, and Ken Smith on drums. And they listen to Get Loud. Um, hopefully, we're going to try to play that for you guys uh, to end out the show today. And that's how we're just going to end it, just some Get Loud. And also let you guys know, um, we were trying to interview Ida last week with her in town for NAM. It didn't happen. Uh, we plan on having Ida in, and we'll let you guys know so you guys can submit your questions. She was part of Third Eye Girl and the MPG for quite a few years. Before that, be be really great, and I'm looking forward to being able to interview Ida. Now, speaking of which, Ida performed a show on Friday night uh, at the Mint, which was impressive. It's nice to see Ida coming out of her shell and just handling lead vocals by herself, being the lead musician of her band. Marcus Anderson took the stage. Uh, I think she did amazing with the circumstances with an L.A. crowd that you never know if it's going to be industry people or anything else. Um, and the sound of the mint. I don't want to get in too much and give them too much of our time because I do live here and I do go to the mint to see shows when Andy Allo and other people that I like are performing there. But there was some sound issues that kind of cut her off at the end when she was trying to introduce the musicians. But man, Ida is working that slap bass that Larry Graham somewhat invented to perfection. Like Ida on that bass is just amazing. Yeah, she, yeah, I was I was blown away by how, by how great she was. Great she was, right? I just I enjoyed it very much. I talked with her. She didn't have CDs for sale. I was wanting to like get a few. I did bug her. Uh, I wanted to pay her for it. She wouldn't let me. Got one uh, for me and my girl, you know. And just Judith Hill was there. A few other people. Marcus Anderson joined her on stage, and Marcus was there the night before who played with Adrian Crutchfield. And I was fortunate enough to see that show as well. And Adrian had trouble with the sound guy as well, to where he brought Marcus on, and then certain equipment wasn't working. You know, Adrian did songs from his new album, Leap. Thank you, Adrian, for being on our show so much last week as well. We appreciate that. And he did When Doves Cry, DMSR. It was just a really funky show. And I had a good time. Regardless of the sound issues, you know, talked with Adrian for Brit. Chris James, who we interviewed before on the show, was there. Marcus wants to be on the show. Chris and Adrian want to be on the show together to talk about Rough Enough and a few other things. So, of course, we're going to have them back on. And... Man, last week was just like a musical experience for me. I saw Princess with Maya Rudolph and Gretchen. Yeah, how was that? They are amazing, dude. Like, I'm not really too ready to be seeing all these Prince cover bands and all this other stuff going on, especially when they sing off key and they can't remember the lyrics. And I just, I kind of feel that females doing Prince's music, it just works better, especially the way that. Uh, Gretchen and Maya, harm, like just they harmonize the songs and how it sounds, the band that they have, and how playful they are. I mean, they did Sister, 
They did Controversy. They did Let's Go Crazy, the full 12-inch version that you see in the movie. Just Dolly Nikki. Uh, I even think they, they did do When Doves Cry as well. But I had such a good time, you know. And she's all like, Maya's like, man, you know Prince in Heaven, like trying to have sex with Marilyn Monroe. And she's like, oh, yeah, he was into that. And he did have Marilyn Monroe posters up at his purple house uh, that he had during Purple Rain. And then he gave to his dad after he bought uh, the mansion off of Galpin. But Princess is so fun. Like, I had a really good time. It was just crowded. You have a lot of the younger fans. You have everything else going on. Just amazing. And then another person I was able to see was Lizzo, L-I-Z-Z-O. Some people were saying I was saying, saying it differently last week. Lizzo <laughs> saw her Friday night before Ida, and she was amazing. And she just controls the crowd. She has her coconut oil EP out. Make sure to grab it off of iTunes. She has a new video that just dropped today entitled, excuse me, just amazing. Like she just controlled the crowd and people were going nuts. And I don't know about you guys, if you guys have been to concerts lately, but these people that are younger than I, <laughs> they have this thing that I can only describe as like Muppet hair to where it looks like they haven't washed it in a few days. And the girls kind of have it, instead of like tied in a little circle bow, they have it where it sticks straight up, which is just great for, for people that you're in front of that oh, have yeah. to see the hair. It makes you a little bit taller than you actually are. It makes it harder to see the acts that you're trying to see. And some guys are getting that little Muppet hair action too where it just kind of lifts up. And I'm like, man, that has to be like not washing your hair for four days just to have a little the, – the Muppet hair in the middle. Like Beaker, man. Ugh. <laughs> like, okay, if you want to have that look, that's fine. But maybe at concerts – when you're 5'7 and you're trying to make your ass 5'10 or 5'11, or even if you're 5'2 trying to make your ass 5'6, 5'7, cut it out because it's not like you can see the show better and the person behind you is just cursing your ass out the entire night and I'm with them. That is like, so just, funny. I had the exact same experience when I saw the time at the same night. Uh, the guy in front of me had this like man bun thing and his hair was sticking straight up and he was like, yeah, like 5'10. But I, I was trying to bob and weave around him because <laughs> he had his darn beaker hair, exactly like you said. It was really frustrating. Yeah, that Muppet hair, man, just ridiculous with everything. I Again, with the guys, it's just a little bit different on the top of the hair. It wasn't like a man bun thing, but it's like they were pushing up the crust of their hair. Because I say crust because, like I said, you can only get get it that way when you don't wash your hair for a few days. Ooh, and it looks like you don't need gel. And it's just like going up. You know, it just was really weird. And then you see the guy and the girl in front of us dancing. And I think my girl kind of like said like when the Muppet girl started dancing, it's like, your, your Muppet hair is hitting my face. Yeah. And then her attention, she kind of like backed up. I don't think that she understood Muppet hair. But... God, I mean, the duck face of 2014 or whatever it was. Now we got the Muppet hair of 2017. Cheese and rice, man. <laughs> On that note, I just I want to thank you guys so much for listening. Um, lastly, what we told you about on the podcast a few weeks ago, 
about happening on the 25th of Vegas. It's happening right now. The Revolution is performing at the T-Mobile Arena right now for a private event. We were told that the time was playing with them. I cannot confirm that now, but could you just imagine, especially the ticket prices at the time are trying to charge for places, which is hilarious in itself. Could you imagine, and I'm saying this with Jerome back in the band or whatever, imagine the time and the Revolution touring together. Like, as much fun as I had at Princess. And Princess wasn't trying to get us down by playing Sometimes It Snows in April. They were just trying to have a good old time. They did America. It was amazing. I would love to see uh, the Revolution tour. I would love to see them tour with the time if possible. I'm sure some people would not be able to agree on the money that they feel that they should be deserved and who should be opening or closing. But I would love to see a revolution tour. Hopefully this is the start of things to come in 2017 because it's the first time the revolution has performed anywhere since the shows at first Avenue back around Labor Day weekend. So I'm looking forward to that. Chris, I'm sure you are too. Also, we saw a photo from Andy Allo that she posted of her on the set of pitch perfect three with, I guess, what's going to be her band. And she's with Ruby Rose. You all know Ruby Rose, the girl that'll turn your chick, is oh, all I'm going to say. From uh, <laughs> She's on uh, uh, Orange is the New Black. Yes. Yes. And she'll be, she'll be on your girlfriend in 2017. Not your <laughs> girlfriend specifically, Chris. I'm talking about girls the, in period. The collective girlfriend, right. Exactly. And also... Morris Hayes of the NPG, uh, who's doing his own NPG stuff, and they're together like the Revolution are, uh, different aspects of the NPG. He was in New York last week to do a private concert, and he stayed in New York to help out uh, fellow Minneapolis recording artist Kobe, and he was on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Kobe performed on Monday, and Morris Hayes was there backing him up, rocking his NPG chain. Morris Hayes, of course, we had him on the show before. We'd love to have him on again. I'm sure we will. Uh, but it was great seeing him there, getting the attention he deserves on Fallon. And on that note, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll keep you up to date with that and so much more. Uh, just pay attention to my Twitter feed, my Facebook feed. I'm going to be relaunching the Dr. Funkenberry website coming up in February. Ooh. Thank you guys for putting it up with everything um, if anything happens, we'll make sure to cover it. We have more interviews coming up. If there's any el anything else that you guys would want to hear and see on the show, because hopefully we're going down that route eventually, um, let us know. Thank you guys so much. We're going to end it now with Road Case Royale uh, with Nancy Wilson of Heart along with Liv Warfield and our boy Ryan Waters right now on the Dr. Funk Podcast. Much love, everyone. Keep it funky.